We're going to speak tonight on the topic of our ministry of faith. Our ministry of faith. If you've been with us for the, over the last several months, whenever I've got to speak on a Wednesday night, I, or even some Sundays I did this, where we kind of took a little travel along this thing called faith. And we started off, I don't know if you'd call it a series or not, but you, we started off talking about the journey of faith. And we talked about how we're saved by faith through grace, and then we were to continue on through faith. And then we talked about our faith and the Word of God. We talked about our relationship to the Word of God and how we are to read the Word of God and be in the Word of God. And I hope, I sure hope that many of you decided to read the Bible through this year. I challenged our college and career class to read the Bible through, and we're all doing it, or at least I hope we're all doing it, and we're going through it chronologically. And so hopefully you're on schedule for that. But I hope you have some type of schedule where you're reading the Word of God each day. And so we talked about our faith in the Bible. And then we talked about a showing faith, where we are to have a faith that demonstrates itself, Just like Abraham when on the Mount of Moriah, he had a showing faith. He didn't just say that he had faith in God, but he was willing to go up to Mount Moriah and to potentially offer his son as a sacrifice. And you know the story how there was a, a ram in the thicket and God provided himself a lamb, but he had a showing faith. <coughs> And in Hebrews chapter number 11, different men of God had, a, got, had faith, different w women of God had faith. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to choke on myself here. But uh, then we talked about the resolve of our faith. And may we be resolved continue, to continue on in our faith. And so tonight we're going to kind of pick up there and we're going to speak about our ministry of faith. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verses number 1 through 6 is where we're going to read tonight. The Bible says in verse number 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. And aren't you glad that that light has shined in our hearts? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. And before I preach, let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity once again to open up uh, the, the Bible, the Word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I speak. God, I pray that you might hide me behind the cross tonight. Lord, I pray that I would say those things that would bring honor and glory to you. And God, I pray that when it's all said and done, when we head up the road in probably 30, 40 minutes, God, that we'll have met with you and that we'll have a desire to serve you strong or because of being here tonight. God, I pray that you bless all that goes on on the other side of the building. God, be with each Master Club teacher and worker. Lord, keep the children safe, Lord. And I pray that you bless our church. God, bless our pastor tonight. God, we lift him up to you and be with him and his family. Lord, bless his grandson tonight. And Lord, all those with COVID. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I would start off this message by saying that it is a great 
privilege to serve the Lord. And I'm not necessarily talking about full-time Christian service, although that would be part of it. Man, that is a great privilege. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can get things out of line in our mind. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can adapt sometimes the philosophy of the world and it seeps into our Christian life. You say, well, what are you exactly talking about, Brother Mark? Well, if you think about, for instance, maybe a construction crew and you have, let's say we were to, to break ground on that building and all of a sudden the building's going up. Well, you have a job superintendent, you have the, the general contractor, and you have the one that is overseeing the job, and then you have what we call subcontractors, and they're the ones that maybe might work on the, the plumbing, and they have their maybe they're working on the electrical and the mechanical, and there's all the ones that do the carpentry work and the finishing work, and, and guys that do the sheetrock and the painters and all that. And then you have guys that work for the subcontractors, and those are what we might call the laborers. And then we then you have guys that work for the laborers. They might be called the, the journeymen or the apprentices, or they might be called the grunt workers. And sometimes these guys are looked down upon by others. And sometimes we kind of adapt that philosophy in our own mind, and sometimes it creeps into the church, and sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I'm not going to do that or do that in the church. Or we think, man, boy, that person has really arrived because they're doing this. They're the song leader, or they're the head usher, or they're the, the soloist, or they're the organist, or the pianist. And, and sometimes we can think, if we're not careful, we can think that to go out and teach a fifth grade boy boys class or be a greeter and usher, well, that's kind of just below us. And we can get that mindset sometimes. And suddenly our perspective can get out of whack. But really, there's nothing greater that can be done than to maybe teach a fifth grade boys class where that little boy or that little girl can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, that is the most important thing to see somebody come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Or you might, we might think, well, to, to take some teenagers to camp or, or getting to, to teach in a bus church. Well, that, I can't imagine. I wouldn't want to do that. That would just be pure torture. And if we're not careful, we get twisted in what really matters most in our mind. How many realize that tonight the most important thing is to see somebody come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, when it's all said and done, that's what matters the most, to see somebody saved and born again. And uh, I'm kind of using this night tonight to kind of get us ready for the job fair that is coming up. And I'm fully aware of the snow and all that. So if we don't have it Sunday night, maybe tuck this away in your mind and think about it. But sometimes we look at job fair to those of you that maybe have been at Woodland here for a while, or maybe you've been in church for a while. And you might think, well, job fair, Ho-hum, we've done that before. It's just a good night to stay home. I mean, after all, America's team is playing the Dallas Cowboys. Not that I like the Cowboys, but they're playing. And then after that, there's going to be another game. And boy, that would just be a good night to stay home where I'm too tired. There's other things to do. But quietly, what happens in our heart, the devil gets in our mind, and he gets us thinking that serving God really isn't what matters most. And we can be there. But look what the Bible says in Psalm 84 and verse number 10. It says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God 
than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And uh, David's saying here, he says, hey, I'd rather be just a doorkeeper in the house of my God. How many of us would give their right arm to maybe go and sit with somebody really special, maybe like a Tom Brady or maybe a CEO like Elon Musk or maybe a, a famous president like a Donald Trump or maybe a famous basketball player like a Steph Curry or maybe a Coach K or a Coach Roy Williams. We would just be in awe. We might even be starstruck. But you know what? When our perspective is right in our Christian life, we will count it an honor. We will count it a privilege just to be a greeter at Woodland Baptist Church. We will count it an honor just to be an usher at Woodland Baptist Church. We will count it an honor to be a nursery worker. We will count it an honor to be a choir member, not because it's part of this institution, but it's part of, hey, you get to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Way more than meeting with the president, way more important than meeting with Steph Curry, way more important than meeting with the college coach would be, hey, I get to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What an honor. What a privilege. We, we would say, hey, I counted it a privilege to hold the door for maybe the widow lady that comes in and gets to, to be in a church service and worship God and maybe be blessed. You know, maybe if, we're, if we have the right perspective, we might say, hey, it's a great privilege just to teach in bus church. It's a great privilege just to sing in the choir. And my, what a blessing it was. How many of you enjoyed seeing all the folks that were in the choir Sunday night? Boy, that was neat. That blessed my heart. And uh, boy, and a few of you that I talked to afterwards said, boy, that kind of just lit my fire. I might even join. And so if you're on the fence about maybe joining the choir, I'd want to, I'd want to encourage you, get in the choir. You say, well, Brother Mark, I can't really sing. All I know how to sing is the melody. I don't know how to sing parts and all this. Welcome to my world. That's about all I know. And uh, this is not my notes, but I'll tell you this quick funny story. I was one time uh, leading the choir at my home church and, and, uh, and it was a, maybe a choir of about 25 or so. And I was so frustrated because we were trying to sing parts. And maybe Brother Thyre, you can identify with this, but you, you get the choir to sing parts and man, they, they do it so well in practice. And then we get up in front of the church, and every time, about 98% of the choir would all go back to singing the melody. You ever been there, Brother Thyra? It happens. And I was so frustrated, so I go to my, one of my professors that was in my Bible college. I went to him. I said, hey, Brother so-and-so. I said, here, and he, and he led a choir of probably about 150 voices, a good revivalistic choir, a good choir. And so I went to him. I said, Brother so-and-so. I said, here's what's going on. I'm leading the youth choir. I'm not done at the youth choir. I'm leading the adult choir at my church and we go through and we sing all these parts and then we get up and we sing in church and we all go back to the melody and here he is he's a, a, a choir director of a church a large church and, it, and the choir like I said was about 150 people and he says what brother Mark my choir does it too so what I hear say, if you can't sing parts get up there and just join the choir but if we if we have the right perspective we're going to say, hey, I get to do this to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I get to sing in the choir. We never know the impact that we are making on others in our Christian life. 
Example, just a, about 24 hours or so ago, maybe 36 hours, something like that, probably 36 hours, we received a phone call at the church, and there was somebody that uh, had gotten put into the hospital because of COVID and spent seven or eight days in the hospital. And here's what he told me. This past Sunday, he was watching online in the hospital, on a hospital bed, laying there, confined, fighting COVID and everything. And he said, it just blessed my heart, Brother Mark, when the choir got up to sing. He said it was full. And and uh, he said, you know, they got to sing in that song, I still serve an amazing God. He said, it was all I could do just to raise my hands and praise God and worship him. And you know what? You, 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 you that got up in the choir, you didn't realize that you were going to be ministering to somebody in another city, uh, down in Winston, well, not, another, not another city, but in another area. They were watching online. You had no idea that you were going to be blessing that person. But you know what? Us serving Christ, we never know what impact you're going to have. I look and I saw Brother Ed, he teaches in the Christian school year. You never know when you're going to be able to minister to that student. You never know in a Sunday school class when that lesson will hit home and it'll be an encouragement to somebody. You just never, never know. Your service to God counts. You may not see the results. I heard this saying years and years ago, and it's so true and applicable in the church work, but it goes like this. It says, teamwork makes the dream work. You know, I hate to use this slogan because it really has been hijacked by the NFL and that whole woke culture and all that. But really, here's the phrase, and I hate to use it because it's so woke, but I don't mean anything woke by it, but it takes all of us. It takes all of us to make Woodland Baptist Church function. It's not all about those that are up on the platform. It's not all about those that might be in leadership. It's about each and every one of us having a part together and following the pastor as he follows the master. And we all pull together for that common goal to see people saved, to be, see people born again. It takes all of us. There's no big eyes. There's no little U's. We, we, we may not be, we can't see the hundreds of bus riders come without all of us working together. It takes men to go out, men and women to go out and visit on Saturday. It takes men and women to, to gas up the vans and gas up the buses. It takes men and women to pull together and have food ready. And it takes workers to get on the bus and get those buses running. It takes all of us. It takes the greeters. It takes people running the information center. It takes people uh, uh, working in the office and running off the bulletins. It takes the us. What am I saying? It takes all of us to make the work of God go on. You know, there's an old saying, many hands make light work. And that's so true. Tonight really is a night to maybe where we can evaluate our perspective, renew our vision. We get to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'd like to share with you tonight just three responsibilities from this passage of Scripture that we have as a Christian servant for the Lord as we look at our ministry of faith, our ministry of faith. Number one, I'd like to encourage you and remind you to recognize your role. Recognize your role. Verse number one, look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. So Paul the apostle, he's speaking here. He says, hey, we have this ministry. 
You say, well, what's that word therefore? Well, whenever you see the word therefore, we need to look back and see what it is there for. So if you were to go back, go back just two verses to verse number 17, and the Bible says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so this passage of scripture is kind of dealing with Paul the apostle and how he had his salvation experience, and he came to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, know, he, he realized that from the moment he got saved, he experienced liberty. He had freedom. He, had, he wasn't in bondage to sin anymore. He was a new creature. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And so Paul the apostle realized that and he says, because of all that, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. Aren't you glad for the day when you accepted Christ as Savior and there was, you were no longer a slave to sin? Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad that, like I said, I was saved at the age of eight and the Lord was able to spare me from a lot of heartache. But I'm glad that for the overriding majority of my life, I have not been a slave to sin, although sin still wants to creep its ugly head up. But our role, we are saved to serve. His role as a minister began the moment he got saved. He was a minister. Romans 8 said that we have been called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? God's purpose is he wants to seek and to save that which was lost. I mean, that's the purpose of God. That's the purpose of the church is to evangelize and, and tell others about the, the plan of salvation. God has a predetermined plan for your life. He's got something for you. What a tragedy is for a Christian to miss out on God's plan for his or her life. God has a plan for you. Paul is saying in verse number one, he says, my ministry began the day the Lord saved him. I want to encourage you tonight, recognize your role. Now we look at the word ministry and you could do a whole word study on that, but the word ministry just me simply means, de it comes from a word, a Greek word, uh, diakonia, I think if I'm saying it right, but it's really just what it means is you're a table waiter. You're a servant or one that waits on other people. Now, this is not just for the Apostle Paul. All of us should be servant-hearted, willing to help someone else in their time of need. You know, our, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our supreme example of that. You say, well, where's that? Look at Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. God sent his son down to the earth, not so that he could be ministered, but you know, this, you know the events. You know how he came simply to be born, to then to die for the sins of mankind, for the sins of all of us. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He says, hey, that ministry for me began when I got saved. And I want to say to us here at Woodland Baptist Church, we are all given the opportunity to serve, to be a minister. We're all given by the Lord certain abilities. We're all given by the Lord certain talents to better, to be better equipped to serve him, to serve the King of Kings. Look at 1 Peter 4 and verse number 10. It says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the mentioned grace of God. God says, hey, I give you a gift. I give you a talent. I give you a, an ability, something that you can do. Use it for the Lord. Let me ask you tonight, are you managing your gift well? Are you stewarding the gift or gifts that God has given you? 
Each and every one of you, and we could do a whole study on this, each and every one of you have been given a gift. Brother Buddy's gift might not be the same gift that I have. My gift might not be the same gift as Brother Allen. My gift might not be the same gift as Brother Elijah, and so on and so forth. We're all created differently. But may we use our gifts to serve him. Maybe you have the gift of helps tonight. Maybe you're compassionate. Maybe you're empathetic. Well, find a ministry where you can use that to honor God and serve others. Maybe you have the gift of edification. I mean, you can teach and you can, uh, you can instruct. Well, find you a ministry where you can use that for God's glory. Maybe you have the gift of administration. I mean, you know, just, you know just how to make things happen and put it together. Find you a ministry where you can use that. I'm afraid too often God's people... We're just sitting on our talents, and we're not using them for the Lord. Boy, I don't want to get to the judgment seat of Christ. And God says to, to me, Mark, you had this talent, but you just let it go to waste. Boy, what a, what a sad day. You know, the Bible does say that God shall wipe away all tears. I wonder if that's because of there's going to be regrets just for that brief time before we enter into heaven. So may we, use the, may we use the gift that God has given us. We are, continue, we are to continue by the mercy of God. So recognize our role in ministry. So Paul says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, then look what he says, as we have received mercy. Aren't you glad that God gives us mercy? during our, our ministry? Yes, we receive grace. Yes, we receive mercy. But you, at the time of salvation. But that doesn't just stop. It continues on in our Christian life. And we, we, re, we receive that mercy. Why? To keep going on. Look what it says. We receive mercy. As we have received mercy, we faint not. You know, one can only continue in, in the walk of the Lord and in, in serving him by the grace and mercy of God. There are probably in this country tonight, if you were to, if we could somehow take a poll, there are probably several million Christians who they got saved, they served the Lord for a little while, but somewhere along the lines, they quit serving God. Would that probably be a proper assessment? I mean, there's probably several millions. Probably most of you would agree, maybe a whole lot more. But how many would agree with that? But just because you are here tonight doesn't make us any better than anyone else. But it is all because of God's grace and the mercy of God that keeps us serving him. I hope you're glad tonight that you're still going strong for him. I want to be faithful until the Lord calls me home. I want to hear that, that trumpet sound or that, that, that uh, call to, to, to pass on from this life. And I want to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want God to say to me, Mark, you, you ran well. You, you made it all the way till 45 and you gave up. Or you made it till 50 and you, you gave up. And then I say, well, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to go until that trumpet sounds. Charles Spurgeon said, if we give God service, it must be because he gives us grace. Let me repeat that once more time. God, Charles Spurgeon says, if we give God service, it's be, it must be because he gives us grace. We're only going to be able to continue on serving God if God gives us grace. Can I let you in on a little secret? God wants to give you grace. God wants to give you mercy to keep on keeping on. Look at this statement. I think we put it up on the screens. It says, we work for him because he works in us. 
Why do, why do we, uh, not me, I was going to say, why do we serve in the nursery? I've never served in the nursery. But uh, why does a lady serve in the nursery? Because God works in her. Why does a bus captain captain a route for 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 years? Because God works through them. Why does somebody uh, sing in the choir and lead the choir for years on end? Because God works in them. You take a faithful Sunday school teacher and his or her spouse, and they're, maybe they're going through a really, really hard time, and they have a heavy heart, but they just keep on going. They keep on teaching. Why? Because it's God's grace and mercy working in them and through them. That's why we're commanded to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in 2 Corinthians 4. Go back a couple pages to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number three, I think it might be up on the screen also, but it says, blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of, what's that next word? Mercies. He's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So we receive mercy, then God gives us comfort. He's the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, or I could say trials or tests, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So what's that saying? It's saying, hey, God gives us mercy. God gives us comfort. What are we supposed to do with that? Once we're comforted, when we're strengthened, we're to go out and strengthen others. We're to go out and to help others because God has given to us. He's working in us and through us to help others. That's the Christian life. If you, if you come to the job fair on Sunday night and you sign up, I guarantee you between this January and next January, you're going to fall upon hard times. You're going to be discouraged at times. But God says, hey, I want to give you mercy. I want to give you strength. I want to help you through it so then you can comfort others. You never know what you're going through. Maybe later on down the road, you might be able to comfort and help others. The great missionary, Hudson Taylor, he was a great Baptist missionary. He said, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked God if I might help him. He said, then I finally got to the place where I just simply asked God, I asked him to do his work through me. You know, that should be our prayers. God, work through me to help others. Not so that we can receive the glory, but that he'll receive all the honor and all the glory. After all, he is worthy. May we reply, may we rely upon his strength and upon his ability. You know, may we tonight realize our purpose. Let's recognize our role. We have a purpose. Let's recognize that we all have different vocations in the service tonight, maybe you're a school teacher. Maybe you're in the uh, medical administration. Maybe you're in the information technology field or aeronautics or finance. Or maybe you're a nurse or maybe you're a doctor. Or maybe you're in human resources or the, or the military. Or maybe you're a public servant. Or maybe you're in construction or HVAC or whatever. And the list can go on and on. But at the end of the day, we're all saved to serve him. Our jobs are just a way to make means. We shouldn't be so wrapped up into our job that we don't realize that, hey, our purpose is to bring honor and glory to him. Our purpose is to witness to others. Our purpose is to declare the gospel. Every, ser every uh, saint is to be a servant. 
Whatever job you report to tomorrow morning, remember you are a full-time Christian servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every saint is to be a servant. So Paul says, therefore, as, uh, he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So I want to encourage you, recognize your role. Then number two, I would say, reveal the truth in ministry. Reveal the truth. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Mark? Let's look at verse number two. Our ultimate role together is that the truth would be made known in our society. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. So we're supposed to walk in truth. Paul says in Acts 20 and verse number 24, it says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry, there's that word ministry, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I've, I've received the ministry, and now I'm to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we receive ministry, to testify of the gospel of Christ. So we're supposed to do it, uh, firstly, through pure doctrine. The Bible says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not working in craftiness, nor handling the word of God Deceitfully. That's why we should be a student of the Word of God. We're supposed to be, uh, we should separate ourselves from that which is not true. The Word of God must be handled properly. It must be handled sincerely. It must be rightly divided. The Word of God. 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All of us should study the word of God, but so much more. A teacher, why? Because we've got to rightly divide the word of truth that we will teach the truth to others. So how do we reveal the truth? We do it through pure doctrine. We do it through pure, a pure life. Boy, someone say, well, you know, well, how you talk, where you go, it really doesn't matter. You know, the outward doesn't matter. You know, I would say one of two things. Either one, they're simply revealing that they're disobedient, or two, they're revealing that they have a lack of understanding. One of the ways we advance to the truth is by the way we live. Now, don't get nervous on me. I'm not talking about social gospel where we never um, ask people or confront them. You know, my life is to be a testimony, but that's not a replacement for talking to somebody about their soul. But uh, the Bible does say that our life is supposed to match up with what we believe. Look at verse number two in, in, in that latter part. It says, but by manifestation, that means the showing forth or making it known of the truth, commending ourselves. That word commending just simply means showing ourselves to every man's conscience. So we're supposed to manifest the truth. We're supposed to show ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Like pastor preached, I think it was Sunday morning. People are considering, people are watching right there. We should manifest truth. 
When people look at us, they should say, well, I don't know what's different about Brother Mike Parrish. I don't know what's different about uh, uh, Jonathan Blackbird, but I can see something different. And then they begin to question, and maybe they fall on hard times, and they come, and they come to Brother Mike at work, and they say, boy, Brother Mike, here's what's going on. And all of a sudden, boom, Brother Mike uses that as an opportunity to try to witness. Or the same can happen with another person, and we're to manifest God's truth in our lives. So we need to do it by a pure doctrine. We need to rightly divide the truth but we also need to do it by a right, a pure life. You know, if someone were to stand up and say, hey, you need to love your neighbor, but then they're the ones always feuding with the neighbors and always the ones getting into a, to an argument and you can't get along with anybody on your block, you're probably not going to be taken real serious in your neighborhood if you try to invite them to church. We're, our life is supposed to resemble godliness. We're supposed to be revealing the truth. What does the Bible say? Matthew 5 and verse number 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. People are watching us. They are watching us. How about Acts 24 and verse number 16? It says, and herein do I exercise myself. Paul's saying, hey, I have to work at it. And he says, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God. We're obviously, we're supposed to have a, a, a conscience void of offense toward God. And what's those next three words? And toward man. We're supposed to have a, a conscience void of offense toward God and man. Let me ask you, how's your relationship with people? We're supposed to be a new creature. So we're supposed to recognize our role. We're supposed to reveal the truth through pure doctrine and pure life. But then number three, as we draw to a close here soon, we're supposed to remember our responsibility. Look at verse number three. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know, we sing that song sometimes in the kids' churches, hide it under a bush, oh no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush, oh no, I'm going to let it shine. You know what, if we're hiding it, the world's not going to see our light. The world will never know. It's not, it's not going to be hid to those that are in this room. It's going to be hid to those that are out. May we never hide the gospel. Remember your responsibility. We are to preach the gospel. How many, are you, how many in here tonight are aware that CNN is not going to declare the gospel? MSNBC is not going to declare the gospel. Fox News is not going to do it. Newsmax is not going to do it. Those in politics are not going to do it. Large corporations are not going to do it. But that responsibility falls to you and to me. We have received the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to tell others about Christ. Let me ask you tonight, how's your ministry of reconciliation? In this new year, how many people have you told about Christ? Mark, how many people have you told about Christ? Boy, let's carry tracks with us. We have a track rack out there. Maybe grab some tracks, carry two or three with you, stick one in your purse, stick one in your pocket, and be ready. Hey, all of a sudden you say hello to someone, and maybe you can tell, boy, they're having a tough time. Pull out a track and just say, hey, let me give you something. Let me just give you something that tells you how God loves you. You just never know the impact that you'll have. We're to preach the gospel. All of us have a part in getting the gospel message out. There was a missionary years ago. He was a missionary to Africa. And he was once asked if he liked what he was doing. And here, is, here, here was his response. Shockingly, he said, do I like this work? No. 
He said, my wife and I do not like dirt. He said, we, reason, we have reasonably refined sensibilities, meaning he doesn't necessarily like the ruggedness of Africa. He says, we don't like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. And then he says this, he says, but is a man to do nothing for Christ that he does not like doing? God pity him if not liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go and we go. And he says, the love of Jesus Christ constrains me. He said, I don't like, I don't necessarily like the dirt. I don't necessarily like walking into a hut and there's, there's uh, goat feces everywhere. I don't like all that. But you know what? God commanded me to go and I went. And he said, the love of Christ constrain us. You know, honestly, it's not, it's not whether or not I like everything I do. It's not necessarily the fact of whether or not you like everything you do. You know, maybe you serve on a bus route and all of a sudden you pick up a child and boy, you prayed for that child and you, you hope that child would ride the bus and they, they finally come and they get on the bus and what happens? They throw up all over the, the first two seats and whose job is to clean it up? Well, one of the workers has to clean it up, but you know, there's parts of that. Now, how about those in the nursery? When you sign up to work in the nursery, you know you're going to change diapers, but you don't expect the big blowout that's going to be a complete mess. Y'all been there, done that? I've had two kids. I remember those days, you know. You open up, I mean, never mind. But you open it up, you're like, no way. That is not from that little one-year-old kid. But, you know, the theme verse in the nursery, they shall not all sleep, but they shall all be changed, you know, type thing. But like that missionary... All, all that comes with it, he recognized, hey, the command is just simply to be faithful. First, we are to preach the gospel. Secondly, we are to serve others. Look what it says in verse number five. It says, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants. We are to serve. And then what does it say? Do we serve for our sake? No, we serve for Jesus' sake. The soloist that gets up, boy, I pray that our soloists, when they get up to sing, it's not about how great of a voice I have. It's about honoring him. It's about bringing honor and glory to him. We're to, we're to honor him. You know, may we realize every facet of our church, let's bring honor and glory to him, our greeters, our ushers, our members that greet each other and, and, and uh, want to bring glory to God. Boy, if we ever see somebody in our church and they're sitting by themselves, maybe a new visitor, boy, there ought to be two or three people that run up to that person. Hey, can I sit with you? Hey, my name's so-and-so. We want to welcome you to Woodland Baptist Church. Boy, let's, let's have the spirit of hospitality in our church. Boy, you can be a missionary at your very own church. Those in the nursery, those teaching children's classes, those in the choir, those of us that, that preach, we're all servants. It's not about ourselves. It's about looking for the needs of others. You never know the needs that are in this church on a Sunday morning. One of the, the folks in the church here took a call today and, um, and, and, and was, heard the call. And it was somebody that was a little discouraged and everything. And I thought to myself, there are, there are hundreds of those stories every Sunday morning here. You just never know what people are going through. 
But this job fair coming up, it's not just about driving a bus. It's not just about changing a messy diaper. It's not just about filling up a seat in a choir loft. It's not just about handing out a bulletin and greeting people. It's not just about working in security, but it's about seeing folks get saved. That's our goal. That's our purpose. It's seeing lives put back together. It's seeing Christians grow in grace. I'm so encouraged when I talk to people and they say, boy, I, I love the preaching from the, the pulpit of Woodland Baptist Church. I, I made a visit Monday night and, and, and the guy has come several times. He got saved a couple years ago through some circumstances. And it's amazing how God uses circumstances to draw people to him. But he, he began to speak about the preaching. I was so encouraged. He said, boy, uh, uh, Pastor Gammon just puts it on the bottom shelf and we can understand it. Praise the Lord for a preacher that preaches, preaches his lungs out. It's all about seeing Christians grow in grace. I hope tonight you understand the privilege that we have. We have received this ministry. Let me ask you tonight, what ministry are you in? Maybe some of you, you're not in a ministry. Can I encourage you? Get involved. Can I encourage you? Do even more. Maybe you can pick up another ministry. No one, but here's the thing about it. You know, sometimes us leaders, we try and get people motivated to serve. But you know what? At the end of the day, we can try all the motivation tactics. We can try this and we can try that. But ultimately, we need the Holy Spirit to come down and put a finger around your heart and say, hey, serve me. Serve God. The only way that you're going to be able to stick with it for any length of time is if God comes down and says, hey, serve me. Will you serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? A lot of Christians are like wheelbarrows. They're not very good unless they're pushed. Some Christians are like canoes. They need to be paddled. Some are like kites. If you don't have a string on them, they fly away. Some are like kittens. They're okay as long as you are petting them. Some are like balloons, full of wind and blow up at any moment. Some are like footballs. You just don't know how they're going to bounce the next time. Some are like trailers. They need to be pulled. Some are like neon lights. They go on and off and on and off. But you know what? Many Christians, and I believe a lot in this church tonight, many are like the North Star. They're always there. They're always dependable. They're always in their place. They're faithful. May we desire to be the Christian like the North Star. We're always in our place. We're always dependable. We might be going through hard times. As I look around, as I preach, I can, I can think of different illustrations of people that have gone through tough times. But you know what? You just stuck with it. And you just kept on serving. And you've just kept on being uh, receiving the mercy from God and not fainting. And because of that, you've received comfort. And because of that, you take that comfort and you comfort others. Nothing, there's nothing more prettier than a person who's going through something. They receive that mercy and then they bless others. There's no telling the heartaches of people maybe in the bus ministry and, and in Sunday school that are teaching Sunday school. But we need to recognize that, hey, a nursery director doesn't call you. A bus director doesn't call you to service. A Sunday school director doesn't call you to service. A pastor doesn't call you to service. A, an assistant pastor doesn't call you to service. Ultimately, God saves you and he gives you a ministry. Let me ask you tonight, what's your ministry? Let me read these last two verses and we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ 
constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And then it says in verse number 15, and then he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Let me implore you, let me beg you, let me encourage you by the help and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Get involved. This coming job fair, Lord willing, if the snow holds off, we'll have a job fair. After church is over, we'll all go into the next building or in the, in the gym. We'll have tables all set up. You can learn about the various ministries. Are you, will you recognize your, your role? Will you reveal the truth? And will you remember your responsibility? Our responsibility is to serve one another for Jesus' sake. We're to preach the gospel. Real quick, let me read through the list of ministries that you can think about. I think about the bus ministry, the choir, the discipleship ministry, elementary church, little people's church, maintenance, the meals on wheels. They're the ones that put meals together for the bus ministry and those that ride the buses, the media team, the medical team, nursery workers, the orchestra, the, the rest home ministry. I mean, we have ministries where people go out to the various rest homes and they preach and they teach and they, they try to witness to people and encourage people. How about it? How about rides for the elderly? I mean, there's some elderly people that need rides to church. Maybe you can say, I Mark, I, I can't, I'm not an upfront person, but I can drive a vehicle. I can drive a church van to pick up somebody. We all have a spot, maybe the security team or maybe the security camera team. Did you know every service, we have somebody back there that sits at a computer and watches all the cameras? Why? Because we want to make sure that when people come, they're safe here. And if they see something suspicious, they call, they call the security team. There's a Sunday school, the VBS, the teen church, the transition team, the truck stop ministry, the ushers, the valet parking, the, the welcome center. And we're going to get that going here in just a little bit. And on and on the ministries go. So let me ask you, as you've received salvation, have you received the ministry? We've all been given that. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's all stand to our feet if you would. I know it wasn't a bombastic message, but I pray the Lord spoke to you. I pray that we'll get involved, not that you're not involved. And this is the Wednesday night crowd. This is the cream of the crop. But maybe you, in your heart, you said, Brother Mark, I'm here Sunday morning. I'm here Sunday night. I'm here Wednesday night. That's great. But let me encourage you. Find a ministry. Serve. Pray about it. Between now and Sunday, that job fair will happen on Sunday night. Pray about it. Where can I get involved? Join the choir. Get involved. With every head bowed and every eye closed.